1: In a Mississippi minute. That's right. Well, today my guest is a very important one to me. I'd be remiss to say if it wasn't for him, I'm not sure where my music career would have ever taken me. Maybe nowhere. Who knows? I'll get more into that shortly. His family in the music business is so respected from his days with BMI and a BMI for everybody. There's a few performing rights organizations that goes out and helps collect our money as songwriters and publishers. Uh, He he seemed to have weaved in and out throughout his career there to heading up Nashville's Atlantic Division, where he oversaw A&R and marketing of Willie Nelson's Shotgun Willie and Phases and Stages albums, which revitalized Nelson's career and launched the country music outlaw movement. Exactly. He's consulted many, many of the industry's biggest companies, independents, artists, producers, and writers, and mentors to people like me, like I said. He co-founded and owned Nashville's hippest restaurant, the Sunset Grill, back in the day when Red Lobster was king. I mean, this he was like way ahead of his time. And is currently writing a follow-up. For the Oxford University Press to his late father, Russell Sanjak's three-volume opus, American Popular Music and its Business, the first 400 years. So let's dive into it all and welcome one of the most vital men in my career, like I said, and so many others, Rick Sanjak. Hey, Rick.
3: Steve, how you doing today?
1: I'm good. How's the Nashville weather doing?
3: Uh, It's sunny, but a little little, uh, chilly. Uh, All right. I hope you're doing better down there in Mississippi. You know, we're always doing better
1: in Mississippi. You know that. You know and, how I feel. and speaking
3: of <laughs> speaking of Mississippi, I wanna say hello to all of your uh listeners down there that uh it's a beautiful, beautiful part of the country. Rick,
1: I wanna dig back in the past. Obviously when I walked up to your door and knocked on it, uh and you had and you said, Well, uh, you don't look like your picture that you sent and you, you don't, maybe you don't sound like what you sent because you had said no to me already <laughs> and the persistence or ignorance. I'm not sure which one it was, but it was a blessing that I knocked on your door and I made that extra effort. I got to know you from that day on and from what I heard more from hearsay from your pals in the business and the respect that they had for you and that I would soon gather and gain. But take me back growing up and your dad with bmi sort of the history of all that which obviously led to a, a to to a big part of what you do and have accomplished in your life
3: well it goes goes way back steve music has been a part of my life since uh, since i was born uh my my dad was was a music lover uh in, in addition to working in the in the industry he started bmi in 1940 he was actually the first uh hired employee there Wow. So he and he retired in 1981 as a uh, vice president of uh, public relations so 41 years on, at at BMI consecutively mm. uh and he was a great champion for uh jazz performers which jazz was his first love R&B uh records back when when they were when R&B was called race music up until 1950 and uh, country music was called hillbilly music <laughs> so the so the sophisticates in new york didn't show much respect for the people of mississippi and other rural states as, as far as their music was concerned um they 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 were very oriented towards uh, broadway and uh then after the mo- motion pictures went uh, to talking motion pictures to hollywood films and uh the music industry more or less ignored the the people of middle america and the music they were creating right then uh ASCAP, which and BMI were, were big rivals, in the, uh, but before BMI was formed, ASCAP had a monopoly on performing rights collections, but only paid it to their Tin Pan Alley and Hollywood songwriter and publisher members, where people from who played the blues or, or um, jazz or country or R&B and all, the, all the, the music of the people of middle America weren't sharing in the, the income. BMI Mm. changed that, and my dad always was very proud of saying that uh, BMI democratized American music. Wow. And people from Mississippi and Tennessee and Alabama and all the great music that's come out of there from from Memphis to New Orleans to Atlanta to Nashville uh, started getting their fair share of the the money that the consumers across America were paying to uh, listen to music.
1: Wow. Okay, so when do you feel like... Or can you recall as a kid and when your dad's basically the innovator behind all this and all this work this guy i want to talk to you about what went into that like to to be able to to rein it all in to where it made sense i mean where's how did you even have the mind to do that that always amazes me but but when do you recall race music actually making a real impact on the national scene and was it ahmed erdogan as the, as the record label head that was sort of
3: spearheading that movement? Well, to a great degree. Um, you, you know, the major labels back then were, were in the, let's say, 1950, right after World War II, uh, the major labels were, were Columbia and RCA and uh, DECA, uh, and then Capitol Records. It just started up... Uh, um, uh, a few years before 1950. They were the, the big labels, and again, they had uh, music that was oriented towards uh, the movies and uh, network radio performers like Bing Crosby. Uh, uh, of course, great artists, great artists, uh, but it was sort of a one type of, of music. It, was, it wasn't it was as uh, demographically diverse as it is today. Uh, then some independent records, like, like Ahmed Erdogan you mentioned, who was a son of the Turkish ambassador to America and his brother, Nezwi Erdekin uh, opened Atlantic records because they loved R and B and they, they signed uh, Ray Charles, and um, uh, Ed um, uh, Ruth Brown. Uh, and then they wound up with the coasters, the drifters, Benny King, uh, all these great, uh, R and B singers. And they, they were one of the labels that really promoted R and B. And then there was also, um, uh, uh out of Cincinnati, King Records that had James Brown and and uh, Hank Ballard in the Midnighters, if if people remember them, uh, uh, golly, I forget the name of their big record right now. But it, it, and then, of course, in Memphis, you had uh, Sam Phillips doing mm-hmm. all kinds of um, music from from the South, and in in Chicago, you had Chess Records right. doing the the, the 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 blues players that migrated from the Delta to Chicago uh, along Muddy, with everybody. Right? Yeah. After um, World War II, a lot a lot of people from the rural areas migrated to the big cities for factory jobs. And uh, people bring their music with them wherever they go. And, and so suddenly we had Muddy Waters and uh, uh, Sonny Boy Williamson and uh, uh, the great Willie Dixon who produced a lot of those chess records and wrote a lot of the songs. Uh, the, the, these guys were just as talented as, as anybody who grew up in New York and L.A. doing their form of music. Wow! Uh, and th- then um, in 1955, uh, a phenomenon called Top 40 uh, Radio um, spread across America, and it was a change in, in, in formatting. Uh, uh, radio before then had been programs of different kinds, of, of dramas, of variety shows, of comedies. And, and when television came in in the late 1940s, all those shows moved to television and radio had no programming. So they turned to first to news and to sports and then to music. The Top 40 radio was called Top 40 because they played the 40 records that were on the jukebox. And wow. uh, it, it swept across America. It, it captured the, the, the attention of the kids at the jukeboxes and, and soda shops and uh, bowling alleys and places where they would hang out, and and suddenly that same music was playing on their car radio, and it became a phenomenon. Now, remember one night in uh, 1955, I believe it was, I was nine years old at the time, my dad came home and uh, put his briefcase down, he said, I've got something special tonight. Well, he always had something special, because every night he brought in a new record release (laughs) and would play it for us after dinner. So we would hear every kind of music imaginable. So he pulls out this little record, has a yellow label with a sun on it, and he says, you're not going to believe this guy. Puts the record on, his name was Elvis Presley. <laughs> and if you talk about noticing R&B, or as it was, as they called it, race, but by then they were calling it R&B, and would have been Hillbilly, which was now called Country, and here's a guy that's combining the two of them, mm-hmm. and his first record has... a. On one side, that's "All Right Mama," which is an old blues song by uh, Arthur uh, Big Boy Crudup, and the other side is uh, "The Blue Moon of, of uh, Kentucky," which is a bluegrass song by Bill Monroe. And so it was this combination of these two kinds of music. Plus, you know, he was he was uh, he was almost as good looking as Steve Azar. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. In your youth. Dee dee
4: dee dee, need your That's all right.
5: Insulated glass, plexiglass, commercial storefronts, and heavy equipment glass. Venable glass. They'll come out and give you a free estimate.
1: Visit two for a free
2: no obligation estimate.
0: In a Mississippi minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey! Steve
1: Azar, I'm with my pal Rick Sanjak. He is a music business mogul. He's done it all. Just done it all. And a huge influence. Hey Rick, I want to ask you something. Did you Okay. If you never yeah. see Elvis and you hadn't seen him at that point, you just, you said you pulled out the Sun Wreck. wasn't a picture of him on there, was it? Or was it? No. Okay. No, it was a 45. Okay, so you got the 45 and you listen. Yeah. You're, you're a great song guy. I've always known you to be that. And when you said a great song was a great song, I believed you and, and, and you're dang right. I, I see where it came from, but would you, if you would have never seen Elvis, and I guess at that moment, were you blown away and knew they were that was something so special?
3: Yes. Yeah, we we all were. My brother and I, and uh, who was two years older than, than, than me, and uh, my dad, um, were all blown away. So uh, my my dad said I was just down in Memphis and got with Sam Phillips and he played me this, but he wants to sell this kid's contract. Hmm. Um, he said this is a this is a one in a lifetime opportunity. So he called Ahmed Erdogan. He called uh, uh, John, Hammond John Hammond at, at CBS uh, at yeah. Columbia. Yeah. Uh, he, he called um, uh, uh, oh, the guy at RCA. Uh, uh, I'll remember his name in a minute. And um, uh, Milk Gabler at at uh, at Decca, uh, saying you got to You can buy this contract for thirty five thousand dollars. Come on, and he, it, it, this is the next big thing. <laughs> and uh, one of the guys said. I could put out thirty five records for thirty five five thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, so so um uh he really wanted I think he really wanted to see uh Atlantic getting because to him Atlantic was uh, was the 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 real hip leading label. Right. Uh, the label that had the greatest artists and, and the uh, uh, also their records sounded great. They had a wonderful studio, great engineer, Tommy Dowd. Uh but it wasn't to be um RCA did buy his contract, and, of course, the rest is history. And uh, Elvis, uh, but what's interesting, Steve, about Elvis is that he didn't tour really that much. He, uh, his first year, he didn't do any tours. He did TV shows. Right. He did the Tommy Dorsey show, the Steve Allen show, before he did the Ed Sullivan show. Wow. When, when he did the Ed Sullivan show, 88% of the people in America watched it. Hmm. Now think about that, 88%. That's how how TV was that important. Yeah, but no one used it like um, uh, Elvis and the Colonel, his manager, Colonel Tom Parker, had ever used it like that before for an unknown artist from a from, uh, you know, born in Tupelo, Mississippi. Yeah. It was a brilliant marketing campaign, but of course you had a, a unique once-in-a-lifetime artist. Right. I love it. And well, then, then he went on there, to, he did a movie, so he ended his first year in the business, 1956, as the number one artist in the country with a million-selling album, a movie, uh, gold records, um, you know, everything. Uh, he just took America by storm. But then, something that really got my attention, even more than Elvis, was Jerry Lee Lewis. Oh, yeah. Now, he's a Mississippi boy.
1: Yeah, and it's insane. Nesbitt.
3: Nesbitt, Nesbitt, Mississippi. Yeah, and he came on the Ed Sullivan Show, and uh, it was different, because he was sitting at a piano, and he he was wearing a short sleeve striped shirt, and had that hair that was was sort of like Liberace. So... um, (laughs) He, he looked like this this uh, country version of Liberace playing the piano uh, in a in a in just a crazy fashion with 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 so much uh, energy and and uh, and soul and uh, uh, he really he really blew me away. I I, I thought he was going to be the the biggest artist uh, bigger than Elvis. Of course, what did I know? I was eleven years old when yeah.
1: he, he came out. <laughs> you know but, a lot but, at uh, eleven, believe it or not, because yeah. you're you're unfazed and untainted, and you hadn't. Yeah, you, you know, you, there's no rust or no tarnish on yeah. you yet. You're just going with gut, gut, and emotion. You know. Yeah.
3: Now at the same time, though, my dad is bringing home then a couple of years later. Uh, I'm still I'm still in my early teens. He's bringing home the Motown records. Wow, uh, as they Love come them. out and. And uh, then he brought home the Beatles. At that point, I was in, in high school. And uh, the Beatles and then the Rolling Stones, and uh, they were great. I liked the Rolling Stones better than the Beatles. Um, not that I didn't like the Beatles, but the Rolling Stones to me were just a little more, a little more uh, uh, rootsy, a little more, a little more authentic. Right. And uh, then the next thing that really blew me away was Jimi Hendrix. Oh, man. He brought home Jimi Hendrix? Uh at that point I was in college. So I I'm sure I got the record from my dad. Uh, <laughs> uh I don't remember it Steve, but uh but that that Are You Experienced album was Yeah. was fabulous.
1: You probably brought it home to him. <laughs> no,
3: no, <laughs> no, have been no, a switch. no. My my <laughs> my dad was uh was uh um, it, because of his position at BMI, he got all the records when they were released. He was on the uh mailing list for the uh promotional copies of, of, of all the uh major labels. So he got he got the even before they were released.
1: Were were there when times there, when they were they weren't even on a, a BMI or ASCAP at the time? I say A weren't on ASCAP or BMI at the time when I mean were these are some artists back then that were on the radio was there was that like you had to be?
3: They they knew to do that, right? Well I mean, at 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 that point um uh ASCAP wasn't really interested in, in, in this kind of music and rock and roll and, and uh, country and R&B. Uh, so BMI was because they, they needed repertoire in order to uh, to compete with ASCAP for radio time. So they um, they were interested. Now, ASCAP, uh, I have a lot of good friends at ASCAP, and they, they both do a fabulous job for their songwriters. And uh, they finally got to Where they understood where pop music was coming from and also started signing young artists and artists from all across the country to to where now it's basically the the same thing they they, they both do a wonderful job they're, they're they've combined they distributed last year two billion dollars each wow. of distributed over a billion dollars of in royalties to um, songwriters and publishers and uh, the, the greatest area of growth for them is streaming just just like it is for the entire industry
1: the name of your book is the American popular music and it's business excuse me American popular music and it's business the first 400 years correct that's my dad's book oh no okay that's your dad's book yours is going co- to be that called covered American that, popular music and it's business
3: in the digital age right okay this book covered through 1985 okay so uh, excuse me excuse me 1984 gotcha and uh and that's when uh, uh, that's when his narrative hit the present, <laughs> and he right. couldn't write about the future because it hadn't happened yet. So and that's he, what you're doing. He, he finished it, and it, it was published in 1988. Is this and, a collaboration uh, in a way with you? No, dad? he wrote the whole thing. No, what I'm saying now, the book that you're doing. Okay, you no, know, the book that I'm doing is a follow-up starting in 1985. Right, and uh, it, it covers. Um, uh, the business from there forward, I I sort of uh, designed it to be a textbook, Steve, to, yeah. for for, for uh, programs like you teach at Delta Delta State.
1: Music Institute's going to have
3: this book like it's going to be in everybody's everybody's and backpack. They, so I divided into um, fifteen chapters and an introduction to sort of match the sixteen semesters in a in a sixteen weeks in a college semester, and uh, so it's sort of a. Uh, a in a lesson plan format. Right. And, um, I'm also going to have PowerPoint lesson plans to go along with it with pictures and graphs and and things. Um, but I, I, uh, I, I approach it that, that, um, the, the, the consumer and the, the creator, that's the basic relationship that you've always had in music and the music business built up around that because someone had to one, put the money up to make the records and promote the shows. And uh, um, right, uh, you, you know, there, it, it's a job. And then as it got bigger, and as as we got into, because music is is a is a property. It's a property right. People own their music. Mm-hmm. Um, the the uh, they own a, a, a copyright in the sound recording, which is their performance, right, and a copyright in the song, which is a uh, um, uh, that either they wrote or, or or someone else wrote, and they they have a recording of it. But but both of those are revenue streams. And then, of course, there's another revenue stream from live performance. So So anywhere the consumer is spending money, there's a revenue stream that that goes to the both the performers and the musicians right. and the songwriters.
1: We're gonna take a break. I'm with Rick Sanjak, my brother. Almost like my dad, but not old enough to be my dad. We're well, gonna miss a big minute with we'll you right back. Are here, and our friends at Guarantee Bank are excited to announce they have a brand new website. Head on over to gbtonline.com to see their new look, smooth navigation, and interactive elements they know you'll love. They made this change to reflect the constantly improving technology at Guarantee Bank and showcase their story and community involvement. The new website will be user friendly and give you a one of a kind online banking experience. Guarantee Bank. Member F D I C.
2: From the Seabrook Paint.com Weather Center, I'm Bob Sullender. For all your paint and coating needs, go to seabrookpaint.com. Today a slight chance of rain, mostly sunny, high near 86. Tonight, mostly clear, low around 64. Your Saturday rolls in with sunny skies, high near 89. Saturday evening, mostly clear, low around 65. And for your Sunday, a slight chance of rain, sunny skies, high near ninety-two. This weather forecast has been brought to you by our friends at RJ's Outboard Sales and Service at 1208 Old Fannin Road. RJ's Outboard Sales and Service, your Yamaha outboard dealer in Brandon.
4: A Complete Flag Source is proud to announce that Mississippi has a new state flag. We are taking orders now for all sizes of the newly designed State of Mississippi flag. Flags are in production, and soon you can be flying one at your home, school, or business.
5: I'm Michael Cassidy. Tuesday's Republican primary isn't just a choice between Congressman Guest and myself. It's your chance to say no to the January 6th commission that Guest voted for, to say no to the billion dollars that Guest gave Planned Parenthood, and to say no to Guest sending over $50 billion to Ukraine while Americans are suffering at home. Please vote for me, Michael Cassidy, and say yes to our conservative Mississippi values in Tuesday's Republican primary. I'm Michael Cassidy, candidate for Congress, and I approve this message.
4: Paid for by Cassidy for
5: Trust care. Feel better faster.
2: The best made to order lunch in Northeast Jackson is at 4th and goal Sports Cafe. Homestyle plates full of catfish, shrimp, and rib tips, just to name a few. Eat in or carry out, DoorDash or Grubhub. Call 769 208 8283.
4: Once again, 769 208 8283. I'm Kelly Bennett, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. Now that the application process is open for those looking to use medical marijuana, one Mississippi school district has already implemented a new policy regarding the matter. The Franklin County School Board has voted 5-0 to zero to make it where students are allowed to take medical marijuana in pill form as long as students have a doctor's note as well as proper documentation. As for the smoked form of medical marijuana, that will not be allowed in the district. With your daily coronavirus update, Mississippi is currently seeing an average of 501 cases per day over the past two weeks. That's a 19% increase from two weeks ago. In total, 809,000 plus cases have been reported in the state, with one in four Mississippians contracting the virus and one in 239 dying from the virus. For Super Talk Mississippi News, I'm Kelly Bennett.
0: Keeping you up to date with news, weather, and politics that affect you and your family. Super Talk Mississippi News. Your news all the time. On air and online. Super Talk Mississippi News at
5: supertalk.fm. Tune in to Middays with Gerard Gibbert each weekday live from the Element Wealth Studios. Is retirement on your mind? Do you have a plan? Go to myelementwealth.com to find your balance between income, growth, and guarantees.
4: My husband and I want the best for our children. So when our son Tripp shared his interest in career and technical education, we panicked. Hard work, dirty jobs, low pay. That's what we thought until we got the facts. We discovered countless paths to success, not to mention the growth opportunities. I'm so glad we listened to Trip.
5: Trade up. Discover the power of career and technical education and
1: start
0: building your career. This message brought to you by the Mississippi Construction Education Foundation. Building tomorrow's workforce today. Hit a Grand Slam this afternoon. Listen to Sports Talk Mississippi. The hottest sports show in the state. The action kicks off this afternoon at 3 on Super Talk Mississippi. The Super Talk app and at supertalk.fm. You're listening to Super Talk Mississippi, where the news comes first. With live updates from Super Talk Mississippi News and Fox News every hour. Available on the Super Talk app and at supertalk.fm. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: I'm Steve Azar with my pal Rick Jack Huge influence. So when I walked up... Okay, first of all, I remember recording um, on an 8-track... Uh, what do you call it? A 2-inch. Well, 1-inch one one inch tape. And when I found out that Rick was going to listen to my music and I was it was God awful what I was sending I look back and go what was he thinking well he said no I sent a picture I sent those songs which were my more my latest songs and it's funny how life works out I remember going to him knocking on the door and he, and he said well you don't look like your picture maybe you don't sound like what you sent me and looking back I thought what the heck but that was a- that was my that was my only ray of hope that i that that was going to be the case, and so you really in in a sideways way you gave me a compliment the way I looked, so I was going okay, but it was something very and i'll never forget why you did this, but it changed the course of when I went to my next meetings with albanetta and and with others because Things started to all of a sudden. I've waited my whole life. I'm older. I'm twenty. I think uh, six, maybe twenty. Yeah, you're about twenty six, man. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You you say play me something that you wrote when you in the beginning when you were a kid, and I went, oh my god. And you go, oh my gosh, do another one. And I can't believe I remembered them. And then you go, you're a songwriter, and I went, what? But the bottom line is, I look back on all of that. All the times you had nothing to think about or say. And now it's just so comfortable for me. And it took me right and waiting on Joe for that to happen because that became my bar for me personally. And yeah, great songs. Oh, I love you. I love you for that. But but I needed that. So until I did that I didn't understand, you know, the value of lyrics and melody and how it needed to work. I was just running fast and furious. And when I slowed down, then, and all those people you connected me with, and you, a huge, huge deal for me. So I, I wanted to say that because I wanted to explain further from the intro, the influence that you made on me had to happen, or there is no way I'm telling you I'm back home and I don't know what I'm doing. But, but, you know, you, you know, huge mentor. So anyway, I wanted to thank you for that. Now I want to talk about this incredible book. So for people that don't understand, I want you to talk briefly about your brother and your dad. You've talked about your dad and this book because it has a lot to do with really even your brother, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, well my, my dad um, spent the last 10 years of his life writing a book about the history of the music business, one that did, a book like nothing else that ever existed, because uh, it was the history of the business, and how the money flowed, and how uh, the music business is something, a bunch of people that stand between the creators of music and the consumers of music. The consumers of music spend money to buy music, and it goes to the music business, and then at the end, some comes out to the creators, and all that money in between goes to a bunch of people and uh so this the book is about that and how the business is was structured um interesting story steve my dad went back to the beginning to explain where ro- royalties and copyrights came from mm-hmm. and um you know we all know henry the eighth for having eight wives and uh mm-hmm and uh, 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 n- not so kind to a few of them, but um, he was also a musician, and he had a court of people that, that hung out with him, and they, they played uh, 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 music all day and sang and drank and partied, sort of sort of like Jack Clement. The, oh, the cowboy was sort of like <laughs> yeah, Henry Eighth. I sort of think of him when I think of Jack. He also, he also in order to get divorced, he, he, he disassociated the Church of England which is now the Anglican Church and the Episcopalian, uh, from the Catholic Church. Right. And in doing so, he also took the print- printing presses away from the church and gave them to friends of his to open businesses. So suddenly, these businessmen were, were printing popular songs, whereas before, the church only printed hymns. Huh. So so people who wrote popular songs, everyone liked it. Well, a printer got hold of it. He printed them and sold them for a penny or whatever and <laughs> and uh one of uh, one of um henry the buddies who one of his musician friends came to him and said you know your highness um you know i wrote this song and everyone's singing it and now they're buying copies of it but i don't make any money <laughs> god doesn't pay me anything and the king says well that's not right from here on by royal decree <laughs> people who create music should be paid for it so hence the term royalties
5: come on
3: yeah,
1: are you kidding me? I, how do you find that out? I mean, who keeps record of that?
3: I mean, it, it was in my it was in my dad's book.
1: Wow, it's unbelievable.
3: I mean, who would and think? The, now, there's rumors that the song involved was a thing called Green <laughs> So what's
1: so what's that got to do with anything?
3: Yeah, well, that just shows you we still know a song <laughs> that is 500 years old.
1: <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah no, that's amazing. So is that is that the first? does it go that there any history before that of any songs or is that the first one well
3: of of course there were because there's always been music but but, um, uh, you couldn't write it down that's what I mean documented I guess yeah yeah. and also uh, a lot of the arts and music and were controlled by people, by the by the the, the royal family and 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 the and the religious, the churches. Right. So it wasn't there, you you know or or people sang together working. That's always happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't that's sort of the beginning of making music a business. Right. And uh, then people also started paying to go to attend shows, and uh, that's how the music business evolved as a printing of music and uh, collecting money at the box office. Up, up until we had recording which really didn't become a business until 1920.
1: When when it was going to the Library of Congress, is that right? I mean, what, yeah, what, well, what was it well, doing?
3: Uh, uh, Money Money Waters would what what he first recorded in the, in the late 40s. By then they they had dropped the term race records. Race records term went out in, in the late 40s after World War II and after all these people from all the other all over the country served together in in the in the, in the war and people uh people from from Mississippi heard the music people were writing from New England and right. and people, people are all, uh, you know, Italians and, and, and Jews and Irish and, and, uh, African yeah, Americans all, Delta. all <laughs> were in there together. Yeah. 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 W- no. Where before they had lived in their ethnic neighborhoods. Ah. So, um, so everybody sort of, well, you know, what's your music like? What do you, you know, what, what do you guys listen to? And, um, so, so music became more, more uh, broad in its appeal, and suddenly we people started picking up from this ethnic music and incorporating it into the the, the pop songs and the movies, and and uh, and then we wound up with rock and roll, and uh, and rock and roll, and split into different types, of where, where you've got album rock, you've got soft rock, you've got folk rock, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know. So, radio you, you, expanded helped expand music into different formats also. And, and as things become businesses, and people make more money from them, it gets bigger and they, they put more money back into, the, into finding talent. And uh, uh, if, if you look at the growth of the music industry, in, in, uh, uh, when I entered the music business in, in 1971, uh, the record industry was about uh, $2 billion a year. Then in uh, 1986, it grew to $4.5 billion. Wow. And then in, in 1999, it's, its top year it was $14.5 billion.
1: Always growing? Or when we went to the streaming thing, did it take a little bit of a sort of a hiatus to understand it all?
3: No. Well, it wasn't streaming because streaming is only really only three or four years old. All right. Napster then. Uh, 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 it's, yeah. It's when... Well, that's an interesting, you know, the, the record industry likes to blame Napster, which was two like young guys Napster. who were brilliant coders <laughs> and hackers, and they thought they were creating a solution for the music business, where where uh, the, the, the industry wasn't making money on singles. They were losing money, so they didn't want to put them out anymore, so it, it forced consumers to have to buy an album to hear one song. Right. So, so you had that trend going, then also the trend of of, of, of people listening on computers and broadband coming in where you went from dial-up to, to the internet mm-hmm. and uh, so you could get access quicker and all these uh, and the kids were learned how to use these tools much quicker than adults did and who runs record companies adults right and, <laughs> and, and, and adults <laughs> stuck in a pattern where that they're used to they don't want to they don't want it. You know, they go by the old the old phrase of "if it ain't broke, don't don't yeah, fix
1: it." Yeah, you got to convince them. <laughs> like, like hard yeah. hated, stuck in the yeah. stuck in their ways. Yeah. Right,
3: a combination of those things. And we also had a uh, in in two thousand we had a recession, and then nine eleven pushed the recession even worse, and, and the, the market went down, and people stopped spending, and then we had a, a, a big recession in two thousand and eight. And these things hurt the music business like they hurt every business. Yeah, People had less m- money to spend. So so it hurts any, any business that's dependent upon uh, disposable income from consumers, uh, suffers when consumers, when money gets tight.
1: Mississippi, I feel like you'll agree, is the birthplace of American music, we do. And so, would you like to hear, we'll say Elvis Presley or Muddy Waters? That's your choice. Oh, Muddy Waters. Mm-hmm. just amazingly a gift we're in Mississippi Minute with Rick Sanjak we'll be right back
4: oh
2: yeah
4: everything 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 gonna be alright this morning oh yeah Greatest man alive. But now I'm a man. Way past 21. I want you to leave me, baby. I have lots of fun.
5: I'm a man.
2: At Batteries Plus, we do more than fix phones and tablets. We help our neighbors power their lives. Visit Batteries Plus in-store, curbside, and online to save $10 on boat and RV batteries. For offer details and limitations, visit BatteriesPlus.com.
0: Hi, I'm David Frederick, owner of Frederick's Sales & Service in Brandon. For more than 27 years, we've been selling and servicing Exmark mowers here in central Mississippi. Whether you have a city lot, a country estate, or a large institutional property, Exmark has a mower to fit your needs. I invite you to come by and check out all of what Exmark and Frederick's has to offer. With special financing available, we have mowers in stock and ready for you. Frederick Sales and Service, the choice in outdoor equipment, serving you since 1993. We believe you can't put a price on love.
4: That's why we built a better way to buy a diamond. Juniker Jewelry. Mississippi's direct diamond importer. With 10 times the selection of diamonds, diamond engagement rings,
0: and wedding bands you'll find in average jewelry stores.
4: Beautiful, affordable engagement rings she'll love. Complete with your center diamond starting at less than $1,000. Case
0: after case of gorgeous rings. All priced $2,000, $3,000,
4: $4,000 and up. And with Juniker's flexible financing, you can give her a 1 carat diamond for as little as $84 a month with approved credit. We have an engagement ring for every
0: I'm Rachel. And I'm John Ravenstein. It doesn't matter who you are, what your budget is, or where you are in life. If you're in love, we have a diamond engagement ring for you.
3: Juniker Jewelry Mississippi's direct diamond importer
2: 1485 Highland Colony Parkway just south of 463 in Madison and junikerjewelry.com
4: Pine Grove Behavioral Health understands that lasting recovery and healing begins at the roots of who we are. Transformation is deeply woven into the core of each individual through broad reaching treatment options as a result we have gained a reputation as one of the nation's most comprehensive treatment campuses. Drawing an expertise and multiple whole life treatment programs to effectively address the real complexities of life and addiction call 1-888-574-HOPE or visit pinegrovetreatment.com for more information one place many solutions hello i'm ashley kaiser from greensboro alabama i'm proud to be a catfish farmer and being selected as alabama catfish
0: farmer of the year means a lot to me i pride myself in raising healthy fish for you to enjoy and they were raised right here in america so, please make sure you and your family are receiving the best
1: U.S. farm raised catfish. This message is brought to you by the Catfish Institute.
0: For more information, visit uscatfish.com. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Mississippi Minute with I have to ask you, because uh, I tried to ask a question before, and you answered sort of another question. I don't think you exactly knew what I meant, which is not unusual. Uh, when I said the Library of Congress, when they came in, what was the Library of Congress doing recording any records? What was for just for their own
3: records? Oh, own record you, mean, you mean when, when the, the, the folk?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, what was yeah
3: the, the field collections. What was that movement? Well, well there, there was there's always been a movement. In the academic circles of preserving old folk music. Okay. Um, now, before 1900, they did it by collecting uh, a, a sheet music of songs. They would hear a song and write the sheet music down and right. write the lyrics down. And, and you know, because there were there were a lot of old Elizabethan songs, you know, three four hundred years old, still being uh, sung in the in the hills of um, of Kentucky and Virginia. And even in New England, mm-hmm. uh, where people were singing the songs that their ancestors had sang 200 years before when they came to America, right? And and then um, uh, the record industry happened, and um, uh, starting in 1920, where where um they the the uh, uh radio at the same time the first FCC licenses were issued in 1920, and music started becoming a business. And people would buy a record, so they were looking, the, the music industry was looking for new sources of music. The Library of Congress was, was um, designed by uh, the government to be the repository of all of our culture, of all, all uh, music created, it's supposed to have a copy deposited at the Library of Congress. And uh, they were suddenly getting inundated with commercial records, and they were afraid that they would, that the commercial records would get more attention than all the old, the old music would get lost due to be inundated by new right. music. So they, they sent a team of people with, with some of the earliest recording field recording equipment, you know, you know, you know, audio equipment to go and record people out in rural areas to record the music before it's lost posterity. And, uh, the first one to really do that uh, well was um, was uh, Ralph Peer from RCA, and uh, uh, he uh, went out and found the Carter family and Jimmy Rogers uh, amongst other oh, people. I love that. Love hearing you say that. And um, then he also found blues people. He, he found uh, uh, people uh, in, 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 in Spanish uh, uh, language music, uh, songs like Bésame Mucho and Perfidio. And uh, and he got the publishing on all of it. <laughs> so uh, so his his son still has the publishing company Peer Music. He probably knew them in Nashville. Wow! Yeah, 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 absolutely. That, that's how they started. Wow! Uh, and then people found Bessie Smith out there singing in clubs in Ma Rainey and uh, and uh, uh, Louis Armstrong and Sidney Pichet playing in New Orleans. So they started recording all this music with field equipment. This is before there were recording studios everywhere, all right. and. Um, Then the the Lomax, John A. Lomax and his son, Alan Lomax, in the 30s went out, and they found Lead Belly and Woody Guthrie uh, and and recorded them, and uh, um, again, adding to the Library of Congress uh, uh, their songs. Wow. So um, uh, the Library of Congress is, uh, I strongly advise your listeners, if they're in Washington, D.C., go to the Library of Congress. It is an amazing building. Architecturally it's fabulous and it has every book and every record ever released in it. Wow, that's so cool. So It Rick, is the it is the archive of American music.
1: We haven't talked about your brother yet cuz I want to do that on the next episode. But so so if I got this right, I want to screw this up. Uh so your dad <laughs> go ahead, I'm sorry Rick.
3: And we haven't talked about Willie Nelson.
1: No, we're going to, de- look, we're going to talk for a month. This is exciting. <laughs> so, look, we're either going to make my show even greater or you and I are going to be looking for a gig. All right, here's the deal. Currently, you're, you're currently writing. I'm making sure I get this right from the intro because this is going to be important for the follow-up shows. Currently writing a follow-up for the Oxford University Press to your late, great dad, Russell. Sanchek's three-volume opus, American Poplar Music and its Business, the first 400 years. Now, Rick who's my guest today on In a Mississippi Minute in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studios, is doing his, his version, is called his work is called American Popular Music and His Business in the Digital Age. And that's out th- this next fall. And I'm so excited. And we're going to dig into this. And maybe we'll air this right before so people will go, wait a minute, it's already out. We'll figure all that out as we go. But I, I want to thank you for spending the first episode with me, Rick. Uh, we've been with Rick Sanjack my my like my dad slash brother, and we're going to dive into a whole lot more of the history of the music business. This man knows it more than anybody alive, and I'm excited that he's spent a Mississippi minute with me, and we'll do more. We'll see you later. I'm Steve Azar in a Mississippi minute, all sixty of them, where you can take your sweet time. Steve Azar here, and our friends at Guarantee Bank are excited to announce they have a brand new website. Head on over to GBTonline.com to see their new look, smooth navigation, and interactive elements they know you'll love. They made this change to reflect the constantly improving technology at Guarantee Bank and showcase their story and community involvement. The new website will be user-friendly and give you a -a one-of-a-kind online banking experience. Guaranty Bank, member FDIC. A
0: Super Talk Mississippi media production.